the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Welcome to Conversations with Cynthia. Cynthia Hyatt is a relationship expert, executive consultant, life management coach. Cynthia Hyatt uses her 30 years of experience as a licensed psychotherapist to now offer in-office or concierge services through executive life coaching, consulting, and image management in order to help you be your own best version. Cynthia Hyatt also specializes in speaking to groups worldwide about how to be successful in your relationships as well as artfully handling life's challenges. Find her online at CynthiaHyatt.com and make sure to follow her on Facebook and Instagram. Now, with today's fresh insight, Cynthia Hyatt. Well, good afternoon. Thank you so much for joining me today. And I hope you've been able to listen to the entire series. If you haven't, please go to CynthiaHyatt.com. And you can even now, from the website, download the latest shows or the previous shows and also send them to your friends. We also are offering study guides to go with the show. So if you didn't, if you were listening to it in your car or any of those types of things, you can always go to the website, and it's also on Facebook, and download the study guide, and then you can listen to the recording, and you can kind of really be putting some, some thought and some experience into that listening process. So I'm very glad that, we, that I have some assistants that are so astute and are able to put those things together for us all. So we are doing our last show. Hopefully, I'm going to make it through the whole entire thing and not have to do more next week on Relationships 101. And so if this is the first time you're hearing it, what we've really done for the last couple, probably four weeks, almost five weeks now, is we we talked about really what are the basics, foundational issues, the basic foundational props that we want to have in relationships in order for them to be as successful as God would truly want them to be for us. And so we focused on appropriate expectations on ourselves and on others. We talked a lot about learning to respect gender, gender differences, temperament differences, and personality differences. We also talked last week a lot about setting and maintaining healthy boundaries. So we're going to talk more today about living peacefully in a world that demands instant attention and how that really affects relationships and how difficult it is sometimes for us to practice good boundaries, to really respect gender and temperament, to have appropriate expectations when we are living in a world that actually thinks that human can go the pace that technology can. And I'm I'm reminding myself, I remind others, listen, we don't operate that way. And, and I talk about the, the book. It's called The Three Mile an Hour God. And it's such a sweet book. And it really talks about the fact that humans walk three miles an hour. So when you think about, you know, the Israelites going through the desert three miles an hour with their livestock and all the people and, 
And so Jesus walked to the earth, and he was doing it at three miles an hour. So the fact that we can go faster than what's natural for us, we actually think we can go as fast as the way we think. Now, we think at lightning speed. That doesn't mean in the natural world we can move that quickly. So this is going to be very helpful as we talk about how do we really do that so that we are are really operating in a peaceful manner in this world that seems to demand immediate attention, that we have an answer immediately, that we know what we want to do immediately, that we're ready immediately. I mean, it's, it, I know that you feel the pressure that I often feel. And, and if we are kind of going a little bit slower, lots of times you might get some looks from people about, hey, come on, keep it moving, right? So how do we do that? How do we live peacefully in this world that really demands immediate and constant attention? Well, the first one I want you to think about is practicing the power of pause. Now, This is really important because if you think about how we talked about seconds, minutes, hours, days, right, decades, eons, when you think about practicing the power of pause, you will be amazed at how much you can settle down in about two to three seconds if you just take a breath. So many times... I just at least breathe in, and that gives me some pause, and it brings air, right, and oxygen to my brain, which helps me think better, helps me to relax my body so that I am now thinking in really the frontal lobe, which is where my brain has really good judgment. It's the most mature part of me. So if I'm willing to take a breath, I immediately go to that part of my brain. If I don't, then I'm going to automatically be in fight, flight, or freeze, which is the right side of our brain, and that's all survival. So I'm sure that you can recognize how if you got caught off guard or if you felt pressured or you were scared or worried about a situation, you usually respond in a way that is more survival. You walk away from that moment, and you always think to yourself, oh, shoot, I should have said such and such, or why didn't I address that? Why do they get the best of me? And this is where the power of pause is so important. It can feel like an eternity to just wait three seconds. So if someone says something to me and I feel that rush of emotion like, ow, or that's offensive, or "Uh uh-oh, I'm not prepared, if I just take in a breath, I have a chance to think. And then I can even say, you know what? I got to think a minute. Can you, can you hang on for just a minute? So I actually can make the pause as wide and deep as I need. I can even say to somebody, that's going to require a little bit of thought on my part, and um, I'd like to get back to you later today. Or I'll get back to you tomorrow. See, this is the thing about Americans. We really don't wait very well. So we feel this inordinate amount of pressure. We don't want anyone to have to wait. And this is where the most polite people really practice the power of pause. It's not impolite. What's impolite is to ignore it, to give a false answer. Okay, what's impolite or or dishonest is to say whatever you need to say to get out of the situation. So the best thing that you can do when you are really, really doing basic relationship health 
is to say, I need to take a breath and think about that for a minute. Hmm, that's a hard question, or that's difficult, or, you know, I've been thinking about that as well, and I'm not clear at this moment. All of those segues, all of those pauses, those, are, those little sentences are great pauses. Give me back some control over myself. I'm not trying to control the situation, but I can then have control over myself and recognize that nobody really can make me do anything. And this is a really important concept when I work with clients, when I remind myself, nobody can make me do anything. I mean, haven't you heard about the kid that, you know, he's, he's obeying his mother on the outside, but on the inside he's protesting? And this is when we study, especially the Depression, we study also, you know, World War II when we had all these concentration camps, horrible, horrible situations. And the people that survived the concentration camps were the ones that knew inside of themselves was always private, no matter how invasive the guards were to their body, to their, their lives, their, their well-being. Inside, you're still private in your own mind. No one can read your mind. No one. And so once you really claim that and understand that, and I realize, you know, I can pause for a minute. I, I don't have to do anything immediately. No one can make me really do anything. They can compel me. They can scare me. They can pressure me. But we talked earlier in the, in the previous shows about the power of no. And does your no mean no? Or do you say no and let yourself be talked into it? and end up saying yes when you really meant to say no. So this is where you understand, I don't have to do anything immediately. And, and I, this, is a, this is a funny concept because I do say to people, you know, blood, broken bones, nobody's breathing fire. We probably don't want to wait too long. But if you consider the fact that we have emergencies and very emergent situations, and how long do we wait for the fire department to come, Right. So we do wait many times, even if it's really serious. So practicing a couple of seconds to give yourself time to relax and think is one of the greatest gifts you can give yourself and all of your relationships, because then you really will become someone that is known as that person says what they mean and they mean what they say. And that's a compliment that I think all of us would like to have described about us. So the second thing is, when I'm thinking about, and I'm practicing that power of pause, I say to myself, uh, is this in line with my value system? Because remember, a couple of weeks ago, we talked about one of the things that we have to have for intimacy is to have a shared value system. And I need to know my own value system. I need to know how far I will go how much I will adjust, and I need to know what are my hard stops. I need to know what I'm willing to negotiate, where I'm willing to bend a little, and where I'm willing to say absolutely no. This is really important to understand your own value system. So if you don't know your value system, you might want to sit down and take some time and think about it. And if you don't know it, and you don't even know how to make one, then you know what the best value system is? Ten Commandments. And if that's too long, then remember what Jesus told us where he said, Love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your mind, all your soul. Love your neighbor as yourself. 
that's a value system right there. If I'm willing to love the Lord God with all my heart, soul, and mind, and I want to love my neighbor as I love myself, then everyone is going to be loved. And it's going to clear up a whole bunch of complications for me. Because then I'm going to have to say to myself, I really do know the right thing. Am I willing to do the right thing? I know what I want to do, and I know what I should do. So it's my choice. Which one am I going to pick? Am I going to stop myself? Am I going to start myself? So this is why this is so important when you think about, is this in line with my value system? I always want to check that. Because I want to be known as an honest person. I want to be known as someone that they say, you know what? I bet you're right. That does sound like Cynthia Hyatt. That is something she would say. Or no, that doesn't sound like her at all. She would never say something like that. And those are important things when we know that we are practicing a value system that begins to define us and we become known for it. And so this is a very important way that we honor ourselves. We honor others. We honor God. This is Cynthia Hyatt with Conversations with Cynthia. Join me in the next segment as we really talk more about how to live peacefully in a world that demands immediate attention. Well, good afternoon. I'm Cynthia Hyatt. Welcome to Conversations with Cynthia. I always like to remind you to go to the website at CynthiaHyatt.com. You also can go to iTunes and all the podcast servers. You can, you can probably find our show on any number of those. So I would love it if you would listen, you know, and send it to your friends. Listen to it as a group. Because the main thing that we really want to do is make this a better world because we're here. So we want to honor the person, God, that created this whole entire world and universe. And we want to do it well by him. And so these are ways that we can do that. So we are talking today about living peacefully in a world that demands immediate attention. And this is from the series that we're doing on Relationship 101. So this is the last one that we're doing. And we talked in the last segment about practicing the power of pause, which means I don't have to do anything immediately. And no one can make me do anything. No one can make me do anything. And, I, and you, I want you to think about that for a little bit. Because sometimes we'll go, no, that's just not true. Well, somebody can compel me. They can even scare me into it. They can even extort me into doing something I don't want to do. They can bribe me. But ultimately, I pretty much can do whatever I want to do. That's free will. And so I may not be able to have all the responses. I may not to be, be able to have, you know, my life be exactly the way I want it to be if I do whatever I want to do. But this is where you have to say to yourself, this is one of the greatest gifts God has given, and that is free will. So the next thing we talked about was, is, is what I'm trying to figure out, whether or not I'm going to do something, is this in line with my value system? And what you want to think about is what you value, you will respect, right? You will protect what you value. So if you say you value something, but you're not respecting it yourself, then I guess it's not really a value. It might just be a good idea, 
See, there's a lot of people that, that value good health, right? And there's a lot of us that go, yeah, that's a great idea, but is it really part of our value system? Because if it's a part of our value system, you'll see us doing those behaviors that take care of ourselves. So if I say, yeah, I really value self-care, but I never exercise, I rarely drink water, I refuse to do vitamins, I don't eat a healthy diet, I don't go to bed before 3 o'clock in the morning, I fill my mind with all kinds of, of violent and pornographic things, I gossip about people, well, then I can say I like the idea of that value system, but I am not living it. So one of the ways we be really congruent people is we say what we mean and we mean what we say. So I can say a lot of things, but do I really mean it? So being a person of valor, of honor, being an honest person means that I really, for the most part, do what I say and I say what I mean. And if I don't, I take responsibility for it and I make amends. I apologize. I fix it if I can. So ask yourself, are my thoughts, are my behaviors, my feelings, right? What I purchase, what I buy, who I hang out with, is it in line with who and what I am saying my value system is? And I'm frequently telling clients, intimacy, this is a sidebar here. If you want to have intimacy, if you want to have deep intimacy and connected with, with, the, with whoever it is that you want to marry, who you want to spend your life with, who you want your best friend to be, you have to have a similar value system. You cannot have intimacy if you don't share the same values. This is why it's so important when I have people that are dating and I'm saying, okay, you, you are telling me that you're in love with this person, and I'm sure you are attracted to them, but they live a life that is not even close to the way you want to live. So who's going to compromise here? Is it going to be you or is it going to be them? So it's very important that you recognize having a, a defined value system that guides you is just like a map. It helps you to know where to go. Do I turn to the right? Do I turn to the left? Do I keep moving forward or do I make a hard stop? So value systems are extremely important for people. So then the next one is we're going to practice boundaries. And we've talked about boundaries in the last, in last week. So part of being a healthy person and being able to say what I mean, mean what I say, be a person of my word, is if I have healthy boundaries. So I need to be able to know where I end and you begin. If you've ever been with someone that didn't have good boundaries, it kind of can feel really invasive, can't it? Or it can feel kind of chaotic because they say one thing, but they end up doing another thing. So you're trying to figure out who is this person actually? Who are, who are they really? So having good boundaries says that I manage myself. I'm not asking the external world to control my behavior. I'm not asking the external world to tell me how to think or to tell me what to believe. I'm doing my own research. I'm committing to what I believe has integrity. And so I'm going to the source initially and continuously, that's God, asking for what is in my best interest and how I can live a life that gives him the most honor. And sometimes, you know, what I think to myself, 
I, th- I mean, I think it would be really hard to be God. Um, we know it would be. I-, I can't even imagine. And I think, you know, if all I did today was gave God less anxiety about my life, I'm going to be happy. If all I did today was have him think, you know, there was less sin in her life today. Thank you, Cynthia. I mean, that really, when you think about that, I'm not trying to be perfect, but I am trying to please the one who created me, the one who thought about me, that designed me, that wanted me born, that wants to be with me forever. And that's a huge thing. So when I practice boundaries, that helps me to know where I end, God begins, where I end and you begin. And then I also, through that, am going to know what I can and cannot control and what I will have to accept or what I can reject. So we're coming up to the half hour. Thank you so much for being with me today and joining me. And we have, we have another half hour to go. We're going to talk more about how do we do that live peacefully in this world that is very immediate and very demanding. And how do we do that ethically? How do we do it morally? And how does that translate into healthier relationships for us where we have a better sense of calm? And that we show up and people maybe feel calmer because they can borrow some calm from us. So this is Cynthia Hyatt with Conversations with Cynthia. I want to make sure that you go to the website at CynthiaHyatt.com. That's spelled C-I-N-T-H-I-A-H-I-E-T-T.com. It's phonetically perfect. Cynthia Hyatt. Spelled exactly the way it sounds. Make sure you take advantage of all the things we have on the website. I have some music videos. We also have the books available if you want to purchase them. We also have all the most current shows, so you can listen to them on the website, and then you can also download them off the website, put them on any device that you have, or send them to your friends. So I'm really glad that you are taking time to do this, because the better our relationships are, the calmer and happier and more fulfilling our life is. So even if we're in hard times like we are now, The better our relationships are, the better we manage the really hard, scary times. This is Cynthia Hyatt with Conversations with Cynthia. Join me in the next segment as we talk more about boundaries and breathing. Welcome back. I'm Cynthia Hyatt, your host, and you are listening to Conversations with Cynthia. Thank you for joining me today. I hope that this is setting you up for a really great week. If you're just tuning in, this is part of a series we've been doing for the last, this is about our fifth week, and it's Relationship 101. And we're talking about the foundational pieces for relationship and how if we do that well, then you know what happens? The better our relationships are, the better we survive this planet. The better our relationships are, the more fulfilling our lives are, even if we have hardly any money. Or if we have a ton of money, and, and I'm going to give you an example. This is I, I really learned this this the power of relationship when it came to how how it affects your overall experience of your life. So I live in Phoenix, and in the summers it can be like 110, 115 degrees. So I'm driving from one office to another. I'm driving across the valley, and it is really hot. So I get stopped at a stoplight, and I'm in a nice car with air conditioning. And I'm like, oh, great, i got to sit here at the light. And I look across the street, and there's a bus stop. 
And at this bus stop, there's a bench, but there's no covering, so there's no, like, shade or anything. And there's this really cute, nice, wonderful Hispanic family. It's the dad, the mom, and three little kiddos. And this is the middle of the day, and they're fully dressed, and they're sitting at the bus stop waiting for the bus to take them somewhere in 110, 115-degree heat. And I'm looking at them, and you know what they're doing? They're hugging each other, and they're kissing, and they're laughing. And the kids are playing. This is on a very busy street. I mean, they're, they're just right there at the bus stop, just hanging around, playing games. And the man is hugging this woman. I mean, this is hot. Who wants to be hugged and kissed when it's like they're sweating, right? I was amazed. And I thought, my goodness. They have a great family system going on. That regardless of the circumstances of their life, regardless of, of, of the exterior, of the environment, they're happy. They're happy. They're waiting for a bus. And so I thought, you know, God, that's amazing. Because when we're okay with ourselves, when we're okay with others, nothing can get in our way because we are relational beings. All mammals are. And so this is where you want to recognize that there isn't anything outside of you that you can purchase on this planet that you can attain, whether it be success popularity, money, looks, whatever it may be, is never going to give you the satisfaction, the comfort, the security of a healthy relationship. So it's really important that you really say to yourself, in my value system, I want to make sure my relationships are healthy, are viable, are life-giving to people. That they're, they're changed for the better because they're in relationship with me. So we practice those boundaries. And then we practice talking about practicing the power of pause. Well, how do you practice the power of pause? And, and I said to you, if I breathe in, I can't talk. So one of the best ways for me to think before I speak is I just inhale. So if I inhale, I can't talk. And if I inhale, I get oxygen to my prefrontal lobe, which means I'm going to have better judgment as to what I want to say. And I won't have to regret so many things I say. So it's difficult, right? So I want you to think about the next thing. When, when we use our bodies as a way to help us make good decisions versus always fighting against our body because our body wants to do something that we think is bad, one of the ways you do this is you practice relaxing your body. Because see, if your body is like a wet noodle, it's hard, to be, it's hard to be angry, it's hard to be stressed out. If you just relax your body, then your body sends signals to your brain that you know what, it's not that bad. It's troubling, it's scary, it's hurtful. It might be overwhelming. It's not deadly. It's not deadly. So I can relax, I can breathe in, and I can let things start to come to me and take my time to figure this out. Again, the only thing I have to do immediately, blood, somebody's bleeding in front of me, someone broke a bone, right? There's fire. These kinds of things, blood, broken bones, you know, nobody's breathing. If someone's like choking on something, then we have to do something immediately. Otherwise, I can just relax. And relaxed people, you know, this is a bad analogy, but we always know the drunk driver survives the crash because they're relaxed. So the more relaxed I am going through my day, 
the better my decisions are going to be, the better experience people are going to have of me, the less regrets I will have, and I will be overall healthier. And my immune system responds to that tremendously. You know, people ask me, like, how do you hug all these people all day? Everywhere you go, people hug you. And I I really am very healthy. And some of that is I really practice relaxing. This is Cynthia Hyatt with Conversations with Cynthia. Join me in the next segment, which is the last one for this show, about really suspending and being a grown-up. Well, good afternoon. I'm Cynthia Hyatt, your host, and you're listening to Conversations with Cynthia. So make sure that you visit the website at CynthiaHyatt.com and all the social media. We, I have some great people that are helping me with social media. So we are on Instagram and we've got Twitter. We've got, you know, all, all different. We have Facebook that has lots of things on it for you to, to see as well as the website. So I love your feedback, and I love to know what helps, what's encouraging. And if you have ideas that you would like me to talk about, if you have like something that you say, you know, I've never heard anyone really talk about this, or I've heard other people explain this or teach on this, but could you maybe you know elucidate more, elaborate more on this, then I would love to be able to put a show together in that way. I also... I uh, love to do special events. I, I'm a speaker and a singer, and I love to create an event just for your group and for whatever topic you would like it to be. So you can always contact me through CynthiaHyatt at gmail.com or through the website. So we are finishing up Relationship 101, and we've been talking about how to live peacefully in a world that demands our immediate attention. So we left off on this event of really relaxing our body. And, and what is interesting is if we're in a really stressful event and I start tensing my body, then what you know happens is I don't breathe as much. Well, if I don't breathe as much, my body starts to go into some alarming situations, the alarm states. And so this is where I start to think rapidly and I start to think very, in, very much in a survival manner. So when we're thinking about survival, you know, survival is never pretty, right? Because we just want to survive the moment. So most of us in America do not have a lot of situations physically that we would need to survive. Now, be that as it may, there's something about the way human beings are made. We don't always know the difference between physical danger, emotional danger, psychological danger, right, social danger. And so our bodies immediately think we are actually in danger. We are in harm's way. And this is why if we breathe, we give different information to our brain that we can calm down. We can settle down so that we can think with better judgment. So it's difficult to be angry, to be stressed out, if I just simply relax my body as if it's a wet noodle. I get much in a much better place in my mind to think more clearly. And then I can say to myself, you know, maybe I can suspend this event. Maybe I can really deal with this later. Do I have to deal with it right now? Because so many things come our way and it wants to be attended to immediately. And I, as an adult, need to practice self-control, self-agency, and say to myself or to whoever, 
oh, I'm not going to deal with this right now. You know, I'm going to have to get back to you on that, or let's meet up tomorrow, or I'll give you a call tonight. But right now, I, I'm, I have to put a pause on that. And the more confident I am, and the more kind I am when I say it, people are going to respect it, and they're going to be more willing to accept that. So I also say to myself, I am a grown-up. I'm a grown adult. What would an adult do right now? So while I'm pausing, while I'm giving myself a chance to think, I say, you know what, what, what would a grown adult actually do? Because you have to understand, the more we are in fight, flight, or freeze, the emotional part of our brain, the more immature our thinking is. And I think you can relate to that. If I'm scared, if I'm, if I'm really hurt, if I'm worried, if I'm in the survival part of my brain, I'm going to start making decisions that are survival-oriented. And when we've talked about this, the fight, flight, or freeze, I give the example of the Donner Party. Maybe some of you have not heard of this story, but the Donner Party was back in the 1800s when there was the gold rush that was happening across the United States. And so there was these wagon trains that were getting together and being led by a guide across whatever state they were in or some all the way from the East Coast to the West Coast to get to California because of the gold that was being, that was found there. So the Donner Party is this big wagon train and it's going across Nevada into California and it's wanting to get over the California mountains before the winter comes. So it's a big wagon train with kids, families, all kinds of things. Well, they didn't make it in time. So the town on the other side of the mountain, who was waiting for them, gave up and thought they must have perished in the winter because they must have, you know, got stuck on the mountain range and, and died. Well, come spring, the town starts to see the Donner Party coming down out of the mountains. And they're astounded. They're like, oh, my gosh, they made it. They didn't, they didn't perish in the winter storms. So as they get to know these people, they rush out to meet them. They're hugging them, and they recognize, obviously, not everybody made it. Well, this is a very—you can, you can look this up. This is very famous when we talk about survival. The way that the Donner Party survived is through cannibalism. So the people that perished, that were frozen in the snow, they ate those people. And so it sounds horrible— Right? Until we think that, wow, that takes a lot of bravery. I mean, who are the people that were managing that? Could you imagine the only way to feed your kids was to do something like that? But they were determined to survive. And so I say, you know, wow, the Donner Party, they're written up, they're, they're written about all, all the time, and, and they are seen as very brave people, admirable people. Well, I say to clients, okay, so they're being revered. The Donner Party's revered. But, hey, if your neighbor's eating people, you call the FBI. So you have to think about context. And what happens in our brain is if we're not careful, we lose judgment. And we end up thinking that this is a survival situation. This person didn't call me back. I'm now in survival. Instead of saying, that's unfortunate, it's uncomfortable, it's hurting my feelings, I'm a little bit anxious... But this is not dangerous. So if I don't know the difference between that, I'm going to start using survival skills inappropriately. I'm going to start doing things that, that don't fit the situation I'm in. So we want to really make sure that we say, I'm a grown-up. I live in America. I drove myself to work. I have a bank account. I'm fully clothed. 
I have food to eat. Everything is safe. Maybe not comfortable. Maybe it's going to hurt my feelings, but hurt feelings haven't killed anybody. And so adults need to be able to manage getting their feelings hurt. Adults need to manage being disrespected, being overlooked, being forgotten. Okay, these are not dangerous. Hurtful, absolutely. Absolutely. So we want to make sure that we're breathing, because if we breathe, then we use the more adult part of our brain, which is the left side of our brain and the part behind our forehead, which is the prefrontal cortex. And that's the stuff that comes online after we are 21 years old, 21 to 24, and even up until 30. So this is why you can talk to an 18-year-old that's really intelligent, and they have really bad judgment, really bad judgment. They're not fully developed. So if you're listening to this show, I'm assuming you're over the age of 21. So you would probably be able to make good judgment if you gave yourself a moment to think and to relax and to recognize that if there's no blood, no broken bones, everybody's breathing and there's no fire, I don't have to do anything in a reflexive manner. I can think. I can relax. I can take a breath. And I can think about what to do. I'm an adult. So that helps us to not betray or shame ourselves. Because many times when we're acting out of survival, we might be embarrassed over what we did the next day. We might say, wow, I got way too big. I can't believe I went off like that. And so when we are practicing pause, when we are practicing breathing, we won't betray ourselves. We honor ourselves in the moment and we figure out what is most authentic for us. Because remember, again, nobody can make us do anything. So you practice then acceptance and radical acceptance. So I'm going to tell you really clearly what God really gave me that helped me tremendously about acceptance. Because I like to think I'm a moral person and there are things I think are unacceptable. And so I realized, and God very clearly said to me, Cynthia, acceptance. I accept everything. Everything since the beginning of time I am accepting. It doesn't mean I agree with any of it. So my acceptance does not mean agreement. But there are some things I just simply need to accept because I can't change them. Or I need to accept them because they've already happened. And I can't undo it. So I need to accept those things I can't change so that I can actually figure out what I can do about something and not get stuck in what is something to me unfixable. So this is where you you hear this saying, acceptance the key to all my problems, right? It is the key to all my problems. It doesn't mean it fixes all of my problems. What it means is if I accept something, then I am better able to figure out next steps to take. And then I validate other people. I validate myself. So what does validation mean? It means that I simply accept what it is that you're saying and what it is you're doing. I'm validating the fact that it's happening. It doesn't mean I agree with it. And so validation is so powerful. It's the need to be seen that all mammals have. So when I validate somebody and I say, you know what, I can see why that would bother you. Or that would make sense why that would hurt you. Or I hear what you're saying, 
and I want to honor what you're saying, but I have to tell you I don't agree with it. I have my own opinion about that, and I don't agree with that. That's extremely validating even if we disagree. So when I'm actively listening, and I'm actively listening to my own internal world, and I'm paying attention to myself, not, you know, being absorbed with myself, but being aware of what's going on in me. It's kind of like the driver who's driving their car and they're completely checked out. That's not a safe driver. Well, I want to be aware of what's going on inside of me. What's going on in my head? What am I thinking? What's going on in my gut? How am I feeling? What kind of things are my feeling impulsive? Like I want to do something. Like I want to hit the person right now, right? How am I going to restrain myself? How am I going to practice pausing, accepting what I can't change, and being able to have judgment to know what I can change. So I'm going to respond in a way that also takes myself seriously. See, when I take myself seriously, I help others take me seriously. It doesn't mean they're going to believe it all. It doesn't mean they're going to agree with it all. But I'm taking myself seriously. And I'm going to really use those good interpersonal effective skills, which is softness and kindness. I'm going to think about what are some positive attributes that I have? What are positive attributes that other person has? See, the intrapersonal skills means how do I interact with me? How do I deal with me? What kind of a friend am I to myself? Because I can't get away from myself. I'm with myself 24 hours a day, seven days a week. And actually, I'm going to be with me forever. So I need to learn to get along with me. The more peace I have in me, the more peaceful I will be with you. The more accepting I am of myself, the better accepting I am of you. The less judgmental I am with myself, the less judgmental I am with you. And this is why it's very important because if I have a, an environment inside of me of kindness, then I bring it with me and you are better, better able to experience the kindness of me. And this is why this is so important as we look at this, that we want to have acceptance. We want to have realistic expectations. We want to respect each other and ourselves. We want to accept ourselves completely as well as others, knowing that acceptance doesn't mean we agree. And this is where you understand God accepts everything or he couldn't interact with us. So we have realistic expectations for ourselves, for others. We respect ourselves and others, and we see the God in them, even if it's hard. And we pace ourselves. We don't let life run us. We let God run our life. This is Cynthia Hyatt with Conversations with Cynthia. Thank you so much for joining me today. Make sure you check out the website at CynthiaHyatt.com. Be safe, take good care of you, and I'll talk to you next week. To hear today's program again or to share it with someone else, please go to CynthiaHyatt.com. That's C-I-N-T-H-I-A-H-I-E-T-T.com. Follow Cynthia on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, LinkedIn, and iTunes. Until next time, remember, be your own best version.